it going, everybody? This is the Nitty Gritty. My name is Chad. With me is Leonard. This is a show about wrestling. And for those who might listen to us and not watch us on YouTube, I try to wear wrestling-themed shirts every week, Leonard. And uh, I don't know if you noticed that or not, but what is that, a Negan shirt? That is a, that is a Negan shirt from The Walking Dead. I don't even watch The Walking Dead. Okay, well that's 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 an amazing uh, an amazing shirt because you don't watch it. It's... I don't watch the show, but it's like him as a slugger shirt. This was back when I used to get Loot Crate. For for those of you who used, to, oh yeah, I got it for the T-shirts. They had great T-shirts in there, and I would often get shirts of things that I never watched or didn't know, but I would wear it because I thought the shirt was cool. I stopped wearing this out because people would point at me and want to talk about The Walking Dead, and I yeah. would just shake my head and take it. <laughs> yeah, I can see that happening. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I need to try Loot Crate one of these days. But uh, so I, I try to wear different wrestling shirts. You know, I have a whole, I have a ton of them here. And uh, in the spirit of trying to find wrestling themed shirts that nobody else would think to own because I'm, you know, insane. I have lettered a West Texas state shirt on right now. So do you know how that connects to wrestling, Leonard? Well, didn't several pro wrestlers go to West Texas state? Yeah. So was it's that, long... it was what Steve Williams, Dusty Rhodes were two of them, right? Yep. Tito Santana, Terry Funk, Dory Funk Jr., Tully Blanchard, Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody, Ted DiBiase, Bobby Duncan. Yeah. So it's a long list of people. And so we're now the college is West Texas A&M. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's no longer just West Texas state. Um, and so the shirt I have is like a, you know, a throwback vintage type uh, deal. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's why I got it. And I, I thought it was interesting. Only people that are hardcore wrestling fans would, would appreciate it in any way. Um, for, for a minute there, I thought it was the school from the movie Unnecessary Roughness. <laughs> yeah it could be i guess right <laughs> i forget they were they were texas something <laughs> well leonard is i'm sure going to get a robbinsdale high school shirt uh coming in the mail soon and yes they have those available online <laughs> that that was the, the the high school of, of kurt hennig and rick rude and i'm sure some among, others um, among uh, others yep <laughs> you know some of those awa people yeah <laughs> I thought it would be fine to have a shirt that was a university, but mm -hmm. like to walk around with a shirt that said Robbinsdale High School, <laughs> like I, I can only imagine the conversations that that would say. Like, oh man, did you go there? Well, no. <laughs> anyway, again, I would only wear that to like a, a, a wrestling show, right? And see if someone would get that. Exactly. Like, I'll wear it for this particular show that we do, mm -hmm. and maybe a well no not even a wrestling convention because then they'll assume i went there <laughs> yeah and then they'll start especially if you run one of the guys yeah that went like totally there blanchard. No talk to you about <laughs> like oh man that's great where'd you get that did you go oh uh, no i'm just yeah. in you know crazy yeah um, and, then, and then they'll kick your ass so yeah. there you, go. you know i you got me for christmas last year a strike force t-shirt and i wore that to an indie show uh just this past weekend from us recording this and I got complimented on it by the owner of the promotion, Jimmy Hart and Sam Houston. That's amazing. All three who were there. And Sam Houston told me how he used the party with Strike Force back in the day. That that would be a great tag team to party with, I have to say. Yes. And 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 for you listening or watching, we're gonna do Sam Houston at some point at, at a, as a spotlight. And I will tell the Sam Houston story from over the weekend. Absolutely. Well, that'll be a good one. This week, however, we are using a, another topic that was suggested by a friend of the show, Ronnie, mm -hmm. and we are going to rank all the teams that have Express in their name. Well, let me add an addendum to that. Not all of the teams that have Express in their names, because as Leonard and I found, around 175 teams had Express somewhere in their name. And if you look on the cage match website, it will list all of them. And obviously a lot of them, more than 90% of them are from the indie circuit. But, you know, I was 
I was shocked. I really was. I was like, oh yeah, I'll just go through some of these and find which ones, you know, deserve to be on the list. And it, what an undertaking, you know, just to even look through the list. Um, but uh, there were some interesting names there of teams that we have never heard of, but probably wish that we had. Right, Leonard? Was there a favorite name that you came across? You know, I had a couple. <coughs> uh, uh, excuse me. Um, well, one was was we're going to talk about. I don't. I may not ruin the list. The list, but one was um, the American Express, which was Mike Rotundo and Danny Spivey which was a version of another team. But I thought it was funny because American Express was, of course, the credit card. And I wonder if they got a cease and desist letter because of that. Yeah. Um, uh, the Estrogen Express, which I of Amy ha Have <laughs> and Taylor Ray, I think they may have been the only women, female tag team on the list. Uh, but that jumped up at me. Uh, the Hard and Harry Express of the Great American Beast and Tom McClain. Uh, one that I think was a favorite of yours, the Midnight Rock and Roll South Coast Express. That was the one I was gonna I was gonna suggest. Uh, mm -hmm. Ian Ian Logan and Jake McCluskey, two people I've never heard of in my life, but the fact that they used that name for any stretch of time is amazing to me. And really, hats off to them if uh, if they ever come across this show. So <laughs> yes, uh, call call us. We'll put you on. Uh, the red, white, and blue express of Kid America and Blue Meanie, just because the blue was from the Blue Meanie. Uh, the Zambui Express of Elijah Akeem and Kareem Muhammad. I had heard of them. Uh, I think they were early 80s AWA, NWA, but I'd never seen them. I heard of them. Um, and uh, one one more honorable mention I want to mention is uh, the there were a few teams called the Old School Express, but I have seen one of those in person. Uh, that being the version comprised of Jock Sampson and Marion Fontaine, both are wrestlers here in Ohio in the indie scene. Both guys are great. I love both of them. They're two of my favorites. And if you ever see a card and it's got both of those guys on it, especially go, but either one. Jock Sampson and Marion Fontaine, you go. That's going to be a good show. Well, that is definitely something to keep in mind. The one that I found here just now, the Redneck mm -hmm. Express, which has two great names, uh, Cooter Calhoun and Henry Haas. So, <laughs> like... If you're going to be the Redneck Express, those, those are the names of guys that should be in the Redneck Express. Like, I would pay to see the Redneck Express. I really, really would. Um, but anyway... None of those teams are on our top 10 list. So without further ado, let's get started. Now, in this case, Leonard and I did not compile our own lists. We decided to do just one general list. Uh, and, you know, we'll discuss if maybe some of the numbers need to be changed or not. Um, but uh, let's get on with the list. All right. So first, we are going to start with our honorable mentions which Leonard will be covering. So what are our honorable mentions, Leonard? Okay, so number number 12 of the list, or the first honorable mention, is going to be the new Midnight Express of bombastic Bob Holly and bodacious Bart Gunn. Uh, I was trying to think of which one was bombastic and which one was bodacious in my head today, and I was mm -hmm. refusing to look it up. I absolutely refused to look it up. I was like, I'll be able to figure this out before we record. <laughs> yeah, well, I did I did look it up. Uh, so Jim Cornette did serve as their manager. They wrestled in the WWF uh, around 1998, and they did at one point win the NWA World Tag Team Championships, actually, from the Headbangers. Uh, you know, new is the kiss of death, and we should probably do a list like this of just all the teams with new in their name, which I'm yeah. sure there's tons of those. Uh, and I know Jim Cornette has talked about this on his podcast. Basically, the WWF asked if they could use the name, and he said yes because he liked Gunn and Holly and wanted them to have something to do. And I think both guys are okay on their own. You know, they're both okay as singles wrestlers, but they're both okay in other tag teams. But I don't think they had a lot of chemistry together here, and I think it's because they didn't like being just shoved, shoved together just because, you know, to have something to do. But, you know, right when they started to gel is when they broke up. And the thing is, if you ever see a list of the worst tag teams of all time, the new Midnight Express is often on those lists. And it's because of the name. 
yeah. if Holly and Gunn were named anything else, like like Holly and Gunn or the H and J experience or whatever, <laughs> they would be forgotten instead of being considered so bad. And it's because of the name. Yeah, no, I agree. They for the purposes of this list, they absolutely deserve to be at the bottom. Um, just because the name was just not good. And to be truthful, I don't think where they were at in that stage in their careers, I don't think that they really made sense as a tag team in any way. You know, it's almost like they just decided, okay, who can we put bombastic and bodacious in front of? Well, Bob and Bart, they're not doing anything. You know, I, I felt it felt very thrown together and uh yeah as you were saying uh, about the new in front of any name is never going to get over and the audience was changing at that time as well and the whole nwa experiment could probably be its own podcast uh yeah. somewhere down the road because it was just a failed experience altogether and uh this was one part of why all right so the next honorable mention or 11 on the list that could be uh is the all night express of rhett titus and kenny king they wrestled primarily in Ring of Honor from 2009 to 2012, and then 2015 to 2017. They had one very brief run with the Ring of Honor tag team titles. Uh, they beat uh, the uh, World's Greatest Tag Team with Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin uh, at, um, looks like, Haas, Best in the World 2012. And uh, they got stripped of the belts on July 5th because King wound up leaving the company. Uh, this is a team that, that I, I didn't know all, a whole lot about. I've tried to get into Ring of Honor over the years, but you know, couldn't really get into it long term. I'm aware of Titus and Kang as singles wrestlers. Uh, I was able to watch uh, a, a couple pretty lengthy matches theirs actually earlier tonight before we recorded against the Briscoes, the American Wolves, and that that title switch with the world's greatest tag team. And you know, they're very solid. I think they got great intensity, great pace of the matches. Uh, I don't think the chemistry was really there. It felt like Titus would wrestle his portion and tag out. King would wrestle his portion and tag out. Um, you know, it was, it was very much, it wasn't that 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 cohesiveness that you see, I don't think, with a lot of teams. Um, you know, at least in the matches I watched, I didn't see a lot of double teams and quick tags and things like that. Uh, one thing with them is, is the fact that they never really got to apply their trade on a national level. So, you know, I don't think they're they're that well known. That's why we got them here. I'm sure there are some Ring of Honor fans that will probably say, no, they needed to be higher up on the list. But with us not really knowing a lot about, about Ring of Honor and them not really having that real national exposure, for us, it was a little harder to knock them up on the main list, uh, even though, like I said, the few matches I watched, they, they were solid. Right. And you know what? I agree. I, I, I liked matches. This was in an era like, you know, even in mainstream companies where they were throwing together two guys who were really good technically and they might not gel as like a tag team. But the portions of ring work that they do on their own in tag matches is really, really good. And I think that's where the All Night Express falls into. The, the matches that I've watched are, are probably the same ones that you did. Uh, they had really good matches. And, you know, quality of matches in Ring of Honor, you always find decent in-ring work. Um, the, uh, the problem is Ring of Honor is not something that anything anybody but hardcore fans really check into. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've tried, like you, to get into them in the past two, even so far as, you know, getting uh, a month or two of their streaming service, the Honor Club, I think it's called. And yeah in if i'm ranking the you know streaming apps of wrestling companies they would be at the bottom because their app is not good at all tna is not good at all and now the wwe is on peacock they peacock 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 yeah now the wwe is on peacock they are not good either anymore um so yeah but the ring of honor app is just terrible um so Anyway, All Night Express, decent tag team. King went to TNA and had some X Division feuds, but other than that, they really didn't get any mainstream exposure, like you said. So that would mean we're getting to our top 10, right, Leonard? Right. I think you're going to start with number 10, correct? That's right. Our number 10 entry is the Lightning Express of Brad Armstrong and Tim Horner. And 
and they had some runs in the NWA Jim Crockett promotions, 84 to 88, uh, World Championship Wrestling in 1991, and then they returned to World Championship Wrestling in 95, and they had a lot of, there's a lot of good content with the Lightning Express out there, and I should add that Tim Horner was White Lightning Tim Horner, and why Brad Armstrong didn't give himself a lightning name is just head scratching to me. And if I ever had the chance to ask that question, I would. I would say, why didn't you use red lightning? <laughs> like, you know, that just seems so obvious. But anyway. Or he should be an express. Like, he should be like the Southern Express Brad Armstrong. There you and go. then that's where you get lightning express. <laughs> there you See, that would make sense, too. Um, so... Yeah, they uh, would win the NWA tag team titles uh, from the Hollywood Blondes. They would have matches against the Midnight Express and uh, part of the Horsemen of Arn Anderson and Barry Windham. Um, and you could go on and on and on. And, you know, they they had really good in-ring work. And I was, I've was i been listening to Arn Anderson's podcast of his early years, which kind of goes week by week mm-hmm. of his career, which is really cool. And he the early matches of Marty Lundy, uh, involved a lot of Tim Horner. Um, so it was interesting to kind of have that context going into our show this week. And Brad Armstrong has been talked about on many podcasts about how great he was in the ring. He just maybe didn't have the it factor. Uh, but if you watch these matches, like I've never seen anybody do as smooth a nip up, kip up, whatever you want to call it, um, as he does. Like, I mean, he's like very athletic and they're both very good in the ring. I enjoyed their work. I just think that this was at a time when you had two really hot tag teams called the Midnight Express and the Rock and Roll Express. And now here you have the Lightning Express. So it's just like almost like an oversaturation effect. And this was also during a time when the tag team division of Jim Crockett Promotions, NWA, WCW was pretty stacked. Like there was a lot of good talent in those divisions and then you have the lightning express whose name is just kind of like oh eh, we didn't have anything to think of so eh, lightning express (laughs) so i don't know good work maybe just you know wrong name wrong place what do you think leonard yeah well first of all neither one of us will ever ask brad armstrong anything because he's dead well that that's Uh, why i said if i ever got the chance which i ever got the chance okay i thought you were meaning it as if you ever got the chance like you would run into him but uh you know i i agree i agree with you because you have the Rock and Roll Express on top, and then you kind of have the Fantastics as sort of the discount Rock and Roll Express, the B-grade Rock and Roll Express. And then you have the Lightning Express as sort of the C-grade, the further discount, the store brand version of the Rock and Roll Express. And again, that's not to take anything away from Horner and Armstrong individually. You know, both were kind of jobbers to the stars, but very good in the ring, very solid. I was always a Brad Armstrong fan. I, I, I think he's better than Horner. Um, you know, as a team, they tried to work that Southern tag style, which we're going to talk about much more later. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. As a team, they were solid, but they weren't really given a push. They weren't given a lot to do. And, be, and they got lost in the shuffle and they were just seen as, I think, a, an attempt to make another version of the Rock and Roll Express. That's right. Well, Onward we go, Leonard. Number nine. Number nine is the first version of the Orient Express, comprised of Tanaka and Sato, uh, with Mr. Fuji. Uh, we are actually going to be talking about two different teams with two different versions because of a partner switch. We decided to separate that out because it, it did was very distinct, these partner switches. So this is the first that we're going to talk about. This is Akio Sato and Pat Tanaka, and they were in the WWF for about a year, around 1990. Uh, one of their more notable matches was uh, at the, um, the Survivor Series uh, that year. They only made two pay-per-view appearances. Um, it looks like here, one was at SummerSlam 1990, where uh, they lost to Axel Jim Dunga and Nikolai Volkov. The other was they were part of Sergeant Slaughter's team at Survivor Series that year. Um, so I, I'm reading here. Before. Also at WrestleMania six. Yes, I was reading WrestleMania six. That was that was the why I was kind of 
of hedging my bet because the way it's written here, it, 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 they appear to have two appearances on pay-per-view after WrestleMania six, uh, which was uh, against uh, looks like the Rockers. Yep. Shawn Michaels I remember, yeah, I remember the I remember the ending of the uh, salt being thrown in the eye. So. Yeah. So this version ended when Sato decided to leave the U.S. wrestling scene. We're going to talk about the other version a little bit later. Uh, to me, I think this is a team that because they weren't around that long, it's kind of hard to put them higher, but they were a good team for what they were. For me, it's kind of hard to talk about them without comparing them to the second version, which we're going to get to, you know, later. Um, you know, to me as a kid, because I remember them as a kid, they were kind of just another generic foreign heel team. And WWF had a bunch of those at the time. Uh, you know, the Bolsheviks, the Islanders, um, Japanese heel teams, of course, going back to the, the 70s. Mr. Fuji, who was their manager, was tag champs with a couple different guys. So, you know, to me, they really didn't do anything to distinguish themselves. And I think the short time that they were around, they didn't get a lot to do. But I think that was a solid unit. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I remember them, you know, and you're right about the generic foreign heel aspect of it. Um, both versions, I kind of associate with the Rockers, because um, that was like the major feud that kind of threaded both versions. Um, but specifically WrestleMania six, I remember that event and this match, which was good. The Rockers were a good team, and I thought that they worked well with this version of the Orient Express. So, yeah. Okay, I'm doing the next one, too, as well, correct? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, okay, we're, we're, we, we talked off the air that we're uh, fixing it up a little bit, so I'm doing two in a row. So our next one, which would be Team 8, is the original Midnight Express of Dennis Condry and Randy Rose, uh, who were managed by Paul E. Dangerously. They were in the NWA, um, I believe, uh, between about 88 and 89, I think was when they were around. I'm apparently also the AWA. Like, I have to say, like, I remember the Midnight Express feud, the versions, but mm -hmm. I didn't realize that this team had such a background before that. Yes, yes. That was something that I wasn't aware of as a kid or even later. But if you look, that I guess the original version was Condry Rose and Norvell Austin mm. in, from 80 to 83. And then you get the team of Condry and Eaton, which from 83 to 87, which most people seem to be aware of. That's the version, that, right. the, the first version people know. And then we get the Lane and Eaton, which we're going to talk about later. And then you get to the feud of the Expresses, which was from 88 to 89. And it's interesting here. To, because this team only existed to feud with the the other Midnight Express right. and do that angle. Like, I don't remember them ever doing anything else. I don't remember any other matches they did. I'm sure they had other matches when they existed, but I don't remember them. Now, as a kid, I was a big NWA fan, big Midnight Express fan. We'll talk more about that later. But I was stunned by this. Like, it was sort of this hidden history that was being revealed. The idea right. that Condry and Eaton did tag, but Condry before Eaton had another partner. These guys owned the name. And I think what helps is that even though they were the bad guys, they were in the right. Like, they right. had a right to say, yeah, I mean, this was our name first. We want it back. So I think that that helped them. Now, unfortunately, the angle fell apart because Condry wound up leaving. And then what are you going to do with Rose? So right. then they gave Dangerously, a.k.a. Paul Heyman, the uh, Simone SWAT team to manage, and it kind of moved them. So it kind of ended messy. And why I think the original Midnight Express were a good team, especially with Paul Heyman as a mouthpiece for them. Uh, the fact that they only existed for a brief period to do, like, one thing. Right. It's kind of hard, hard to rank, rank much higher. Right, and you meant Paulie Dangerously. <laughs> yes, Paulie Dan Dangerously, a.k.a. Paul Hammond. Yeah, and uh, I want to say uh, recently, before we even suggest this as a topic, uh, I have uh, there's a group I follow on Facebook called NWA Memories, mm -hmm. and uh, there was a promo recently posted uh, of Jim Cornette during this feud when he was beaten up 
and he came on and did this really, really great promo on the original Midnight Express and why the version he had he was managing at that point was better. Um, so I, I highly recommend seeking out some of the promos uh, during this feud because it could have been a really lengthy and really good feud, but as you said, it fell apart. So it's kind of hard to put it higher. So that means we are on to number seven, which is the newest team on our list, which is the Jurassic Express, which consists of Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, Luchasaurus, and Marco Stunt. And obviously they are in all elite wrestling. And I really enjoy this tag team a lot. And I think that Jungle Boy in particular is, has only, you know, up to go. Like he, he, he will have a long career. I believe, I think he's really good in the ring and, you know, is a single star. You'll definitely see that down the road, but right now he is tagging with Luchasaurus primarily, and uh, they have really good matches. Uh, they've had a lot of feuds there um, with, some of the various tag teams, the, you know, the young bucks uh, recently, uh, that, that whole gang they've been feuding with. So uh, it's hard to put them higher simply because I don't think they've reached their peak even as a tag team yet. Um, but I highly recommend checking out AEW and their work in particular. Um, they have a huge fan base. They really, really do. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're terrific and I ho hopefully they get a title run you know sometime soon i think that it's not too far away so leonard what do you know of this team i know you don't watch modern stuff we've talked about that but yeah. now i did watch a little bit of the aew when it first started so i sold them in, in the beginning and it sounds like they've grown since then it might be the jim Cornette in me but i don't like marco stunt he doesn't really do much to be fair like he's there but like it's mostly jungle boy and luchasaurus well, good. in the ring well, good. Well, 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 good then. Then, I'm, then I might be okay with that. If he's just, you know, their cowboy on the outside handing them drinks, that's fine. Uh, uh, but, but I like the team when I first saw them because I love teams that have a, this type of dynamic. You've got the big guy and the fast little guy. Uh, I thought they had good chemistry with each other. They got a unique look. The size difference, I think, allows them to do a lot of really cool double team moves. Uh, I like the the image of Perry riding Luchasaurus to the ring. I think that's a great entrance. It's fun. And again, I haven't watched them lately. When I did watch AEW at the beginning, I thought that both these guys just needed more polish and some focused booking to really be something special. So it sounds like from you, they're they're getting that. So it'd be very interesting to maybe revisit this list a couple of years down the road, hopefully we're still around, to yeah. see if they might take a big jump. Yeah, and you know, I mean, Jungle Boy's theme song, which is a which is a popular track and I, I can't think of the name of it off the top of my oh, head. Oh yeah. It's uh, I, I can hear it in my head, but I can't. Right. Think of the name. Um, which is like AEW is very wise in how they use some of these songs. They um, are quick to buy, get the rights to use these mainstream tracks and uh, it gets the crowd involved. And uh, you know, yeah. I think it's when it's used correctly, I think, it could be, you know, very a, a wise maneuver, like with CM Punk's song uh, as well. So, it's called Tarzan Boy. Yes. 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 There you go. Thank you. Well, moving on. Moving on back to me. We're at number six. And this is a team that I think that Chad and I both feel could probably be higher on the list after we got into them a little bit more for this list. And that is the Can-Am Express of Doug Furness and Dan Crawford, also known as Phil LaFon. Uh, they were around from 89 to 98. Uh, they wrestled in all Japan pro wrestling, two different runs from 89 to 92 and 93 to 96, which is the bulk of some of their best work. Uh, they were in the Universal Wrestling Alliance from 92 to 93. They worked in uh, Extreme Championship Wrestling, ECW, on two occasions in 96 and again from 97 to 98. And where I know him from, the World Wrestling Federation from 96 to 97. And Crawford worked as LaFon under his real name there. And I know that Jim Cornette was, I think, asked that on a podcast once and said, I have no idea why they went by. He did Phil LaFon 
right. instead of Dan Crawford while, while he was there. Um, you know, I, as I said, I'm only really familiar with them from the WWF. And I remember watching the 1996 Survivor Series. First time I had seen them. And I was really impressed with them. They looked good. They were big. They were tough. They moved well in the ring. They had good chemistry. And they won. You know, they were the survivors of their Survivor Series match. And I remember thinking, man, these guys are going to be something. And then they really weren't because WWF didn't do a whole lot with them. And it seems from what Cornette said, Vince just kind of thought they were boring. And Cornette was the one that kept trying to push them and push them and push them. Right. Uh, but if you look at their work in Japan, which I've only seen a little bit of, Chad and I recently both watched the uh, match against Kenta Kabashi and Soyoshi Kikuchi, if I'm saying that correctly, uh, from, 19, from 1992, uh, which was voted the Wrestling Observer's Match of the Year. Extremely awesome match. And from what we know, they have some other really, really great work from Japan. And uh, I would say they're probably underrated on this list because that most of their work best work is from japan we're u.s wrestling fans we mostly follow u.s stuff but i i, I bet you there will be a lot of people out there that says they they deserve to be a lot higher than sex and i'm sure if we really dug into their japanese stuff we would probably agree with them yeah and you know i, I like watching japanese stuff it's just a matter of like how you find it and mm-hmm. how you come across it it's tough to just watch it you know week by week um like on a network you know you kind of have to discover matches as they come to you and uh you know yeah this team is really great i too discovered them in the wwf their survivor series uh matches uh i think they had two notable ones um and they're really good together and you know they gel well and they are powerful guys and yeah i mean the match with Kobashi and Kikuchi is just, you know, off, off the wall. Great. And Kobashi is one of my top of all time. He's just so great. And this was 1992. So a long time ago, you know, which doesn't seem that long ago, but it really, really was. I mean, we're, you know, we're talking, uh, you know, almost 30 years ago. So it's, uh, and he, he was very young at that time. So yeah. Yeah, so that they have great stuff, and I, I'm looking forward to, you know, digging into some of their more of their Japanese stuff and even some of the ECW stuff because they they had runs in ECW as well, mm-hmm. um, which is, shouldn't be a surprise because it fits in with kind of the various various styles that um, Heyman would use. See, he Leonard, he was Heyman in ECW, not Paulie Dangerously. I just wanted to make sure you knew that yes you know i i think a lot of times they use the names interchangeably of of, of different people so you know and i did say Paulie, different, different i know i said paulie dangerously originally when we started that but <laughs> anyway I, you know a few things i forget to mention i didn't throw in their accolades they were the all asia tag team champs five times the junior heavyweight champ uh the, the World Junior Heavyweight Championship, I guess Crawford had that on, on his own two times. Right. I love these. World's Strongest Tag Determination League New Wave Award in 89. That's, and the that's World's that's Strongest Tag Determination League Power Award in 91. They were the ECW Tag Champs one time, the UWA World Champs two times. And uh, uh, PWI ranked them number 38 of the 100 best tag teams during the PWI years in a list in 03. So right. there you go. All right. Well, that means we are moving on to number five, which is the U.S. Express, which consisted of Mike Rotunda and Barry Windham in the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, Windham was then later replaced by Dan Spivey, um, and the team was renamed the American Express. But as Leonard talked about before this, that might have been an issue with the credit card company. Who knows? We don't really uh, have a lot to say about the American Express. But uh, the U.S. Express obviously was notable in that they were on, they were the tag team champions, uh, but they were also on the WrestleMania one card, right, Leonard? Yes, I think that's the match that most people are aware of with them. Uh, they lost the tag team titles to uh, Mike Rotunda. They are Rotunda and Wyndham. They lost to the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov. And you know what? Looking at this, 
I did not realize that the theme real American that is known for Hulk Hogan, Rick Derringer was working on that theme for them. Yes, if you listen to the original wrestling album that has the chatter in between the tracks, they actually say that that is for the U.S. Express. That's mentioned at the time, Hogan was using Eye of the Tiger. And after the Express broke up, Vince didn't like paying the royalties, which, as we just talked about, Tony Khan doesn't seem to mind. No. <laughs> and uh, so that got moved to Hogan. Right, which is just how, how much history would be different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they uh, would have a, a second reign with the title. They would lose to the dream team of Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake. And, uh, you know, I mean, looking at, at this list, Leonard, I think we just talked about how we might put the Can-Am Express in this spot. Above yeah. the Express. The fact that they were on the WrestleMania one card, though, should not be discounted because that's a huge beat. And I was just thinking about this, Leonard, on a side note, the WrestleMania one card feels like another universe of wrestling to me. Like, I mean, it was, it was obviously very experimental at that time. They were trying this idea of WrestleMania, but like some of the, like the talent on that particular card, like it just feels like, that was like the end of that era of wrestling. So many of those guys that were there. And then as mm-hmm. it went along, it would become more of the, as we know, the eighties mainstream. Yeah. The rock and wrestling era, as I believe. Right. There it's you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, the U S express were there. And uh, the fact that Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda were on the WrestleMania one card is interesting because I think most people would associate at least Wyndham with WCW NWA. Uh, Mike Rotunda obviously would have a lengthy run as IRS, but you know, you know, to to me, this this team's all about the potential that wasn't realized, and maybe that's why they should be lower than we have them. I agree. Um, I agree because because if you look at what they did in the, in the NWA in the late eighties and early nineties, both individually and tagging with other people you think, well, what they would have stayed in the WWF, you know, and they got to have feuds with, say, the Hart Foundation, the Rougeau Brothers, the Brain Busters, maybe turn to heel and work with the British Bulldogs and Strike Force. They split at some point. You get the Wyndham and Rotunda feuding against each other. So this is a real what-if team. All that would have been great. All of that would have been great, and I think they, they would have been great feuds. So to me, I think this is us taking the the individual parts and saying, yes, if this could have been more, right? then this could have been more. So I, I, I definitely think on actuality, we should at least flip the Canon Express and the U.S. Express, but on sheer potential, sheer ceiling, sheer what-if value, I, I, I would really love to have seen what would have happened if the U.S. Express would have stayed together. Yeah, and uh, they were ranked 48 of the top 100 tag teams in the PWI years of 2003. Uh, yeah, WWF tag team champs twice. And in championship wrestling from Florida, they were the NWA United States tag team champions three times. So that will move us on to number four, Leonard. Yes. So uh, we are go doing uh, Midnight Express version one which is Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condry, managed by Jim Cornette. And as we talked about earlier, there were tons of different versions of the Midnight Express. And this was the version that was around from 83 to 87. And, um, you know, they have so many accolades and Hall of Fame inductions and tag belts and all this. I'm not going to go through all of of those. Um, To me, as I said, as a kid, I only knew the Eaton and Lane version. So I was very surprised when the original Midnight Express showed up with that backstory. And we're going to talk about Eaton Lane later. But Eaton and Condry were solid from what I've seen. I've seen a bunch of Eaton and Condry stuff since then. Good chemistry, work well together. Thing is, I don't think Condry is a wrestler that Lane is, which we're going to get into. So for me, it's kind of hard to talk about this version without comparing them to the second, kind of like with the Orient Express earlier. But if Conjuring Eaton had stayed together, I think this version might be even higher than, and they're at four for us now. But I think they would continue to be considered a great team. Eaton and Conjury is considered to be a great team. I just think they're overshadowed by the second version, which we'll get to. 
Right. Um, yeah. So this, this was a great team as well. And I, you know, when I think about this lineup, I associate it more with the mid South era. Um, and if you look back at uh, some of the mid South stuff that is on um, the WWE slash Peacock network, uh, really great stuff with these two guys there, um, you know, against the rock and roll express. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the common factor is Bobby Eaton, but, uh, you know, they were a great tag team too. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that this is a deserved spot. So let's move on to our number three and Leonard, I'm going to uh, introduce this tag team, but I'm going to need you to tell us why they are at number three. Um, so let's get to it. Orient Express version two occurred when Akio Sato decided to leave the U.S. wrestling scene um, it, towards the end of 1990. And so the WWF wanted to reunite the team that was called Bad Company. But this time they had Paul Diamond wearing a mask to conceal his ethnicity. And he wrestled under the name Kato. They would have a reunited feud with the Rockers at the 1991 Rumble. And then another well-received match against the new foundation of Jim the Anvil Nightheart and the Rocket Ownheart at the 92 Rumble. Those were the two main pay-per-view appearances for the new Orient Express. Um, and as we talked about, new in front of the name Leonard. So Leonard, new, the Orient Express version two, the new Orient Express, uh, why, why do we like those, them so much here? Yes, let, let me reveal something to the audience. Uh, I crafted a list. I sent it to Chad, and he said, okay. <laughs> so Chad's personal list might have the Orient Express 2 a little bit lower. And here's the thing. Um, I'm a big Bad Company fan. Uh, I grew up as a kid. I watched AWA Wrestling. I had it on ESPN. I called it ESPN Wrestling. And I had to get home from elementary school to watch ESPN Wrestling. So I was aware of Bad Company. I was not aware at the time that Tanaka and Kato under a mask, that that was Paul Diamond, and it was basically Bad Company. I was not aware of that as a kid. I became aware of it later. So when you compare that to the first version, which we talked about, you know, better chemistry because they had more experience together. I think Diamond was actually a little bit better of a wrestler than Sato could do more in the ring. Um, the Royal Rumble 91 match against the Rockers is considered to be one of the best openers, pay-per-view openers of all time. Fantastic match. They had really good matches with other teams there. Even the squash matches on TV were good. So here's the thing. <laughs> if you lump in the bad company time with New Orient Express, I think that's an underrated team that deserves high place. This is if one of those look, what this is one of those situations of what's Elvis' best movie. Yes, yes. As, as, as Chad and I once had a discussion, he once asked me what was my favorite Elvis movie. And I believe I said spin out, and he watched it and said it was terrible. And I said I don't know if it was terrible. I was being like, this is really your favorite movie, it was pretty probably my reaction. Yes. And I said, Well, there's a difference between <laughs> best movie and favorite movie. Like his best movie is probably uh, yeah, Kid Galahad's up there, and uh, Jailhouse Rock is up there, and Viva Las Vegas is up there as we take an Elvis sidebar. But anyway, yes, if you lump all... If King you Creole. Consider, King Creole is another good one. If you consider Bad Company and, and Orient Express to New Orient Express as one timeline, one group <laughs> of dudes, then I think they deserve to be pretty high on the list. If you don't, then I would really, you know, say that we could certainly bump the Cam and Express all the way up to three and move these guys down to, to six. So those us changing the list on the fly as we go, we may learn from this that doing one list and talking out, maybe we should talk these lists out beforehand before we come on the air. But anyway, Orient Express 2 may be a personal choice for me and your mileage may differ. No, yeah, I remember. I remember the this version of the tag team, and they did have some good matches. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I'm I'm not mad at it. Uh, we we tease each other here. Um, it is worth noting that Sato briefly rejoined the team in '91, 
uh, to team with Tanaka and Kato for a series of six-man tag matches at WWF house shows. Um, that would have been cool to see, uh, but he would leave after only a handful of those. And then Tanaka would leave the WWF in February of 92. Uh, Paul Diamond would go on to wrestle as a singles competitor um, as Kato. And then eventually he became Max Moon, uh, replacing the departed Conan. So down the rabbit hole of the Orient Express there. Um, so that leaves us with our number two and number one entries and i'm not doing both of them but i'm sure the listeners or the watchers can deduce who those two teams are but where we put those teams i guess is the uh important part here so and it's very easy to flip these i mean this is like a one one a situation here and i think this probably comes down to maybe personal preference for both of us again here yeah. uh, but number two we have the rock and roll express of ricky morton robert gibson who started in 1980 and still exists as an active tag team today. I actually saw this week an ad for a show coming up in March in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And the main event is the Rock and Roll Express versus FTR. That's in 2022. <laughs> so, I mean, these guys wrestle in every promotion you can think of. You name it, they were there. Yeah. Tons of accolades, tons of, of, of belts won. You name the belt, they probably won it. Uh, they were the PWI Tag Team of the Year in 86 and were number four in the PWI years list that we've mentioned before from 03. They were entered into the Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Museum uh, just this year, 2021. Uh, they were put in the WWE Hall of Fame in 2017 and the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame in 2014. Um, these guys invented the tag team formula. They pioneered what is kind of known as Southern style tag wrestling. Yeah. And it's still heavily used today. You know, that formula that they created. It's the idea that the faces start out, the heels come back, they have a long heat sequence on one of the faces, they make a hot tag, the other guy cleans house, and we lead to the finish. Right. You see it so much. And it works every time if, if, if done right. Um, and when you see other tag teams, you often think, oh, hey, that's the Ricky Morton. And the face in peril slot is called playing Ricky Morton. Right. So, and the question I'll ask you, Chad, is do is them still being around today? Do you think that hurts or helps their reputation? Longevity is one thing. And, you know, I've been impressed that they can still work. And I've seen some of the stuff they've done lately. And it seems like them on like a third quarter of the speed, <laughs> but th they still exist. They're a far cry from their glory days. So do you think it hurts or helps their reputation that they're still around? I definitely don't think it helps their reputation. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know if I would say it hurts it. Um, I, there's a case to be made that it could um, because you know, as we've seen over the years, you know, I don't think the majority of wrestling fans, unless they have a soft spot for said talent, um, yeah. I don't think hardcore wrestling fans really want to see their heroes in there as, you know, senior citizens. Um, I, I, even though we might think about, oh, man, how cool would it be if we saw Undertaker versus Sting? I don't think anybody really wants to see that now. Today. You yeah. know, I mean, and there's a time even not too long ago where I was making the case, let's do it. Let's see it. But anyway, my point is, I think that as much as we revere our heroes, I don't think that we want to see them in the ring at this age. I don't think it helps the business at all. Um, and, you know, it can be fun if you go to an indie show or like, a, you know, whatever, a reunion show, whatever they might have or be at. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's on on some level, I will say, I think it's cool <laughs> that they're still around, you know, but on on another level, I'd say, you know, they have nothing more to prove. You know, if this is just to make money, then I guess you can't really fault them too much. But <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I mean. 
I kind of I kind of agree with you that it's a middle ground. It's it's not helping them at all. I don't think it's hurting their reputation too much. And the times that they've popped up, it's been like this, oh, it's the Rock and Roll Express and a pop. And then you kind of see them and you go, oh. So I have a question for you, though. Yes. Um, in terms of, and you're right about them pioneering the tag team formula. And absolutely, they did. And, you know, they're, our number one entry deserves as much credit for that, I guess, yes. as they do. But um, that formula is so ingrained in tag team wrestling that i i do you think that it that it should be shaken up more or do you think that this tried and true formula when it's done right it will always it can always be good and before you answer i'll say this one of the reasons why i enjoy watching some of the tag team matches from japan every once in a while when i come across them is because they don't go by that formula by and large I'm sure there are matches out there that do in Japan, but the, the matches, the tag tap matches in Japan usually are just about like who wants it most, who's going to gut it out. You know, it, they're a little bit different. There's a there's a different formula there. Um, I like both formulas, but I, I think I would say, I think it needs to be shaken up a little bit, but it's been around for forever. So what do you think? You know, well, we both said have done right. And you can point to plenty of matches where they don't do it correctly, where they don't let the heat sequence go long enough or they or they do like a double heat sequence, like they make the hot tag and then they work over the second guy. Yeah. And, you know, or the second guy gets in and hits two punches and tags the first guy back. That dude just did 20 minutes. Let the man breathe. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever. So, yeah, it's about being done right and i don't think you see that formula as a b c d as it was in the 80s and 90s i think you see a little more very variation of of that formula today and i think you know and then the the question is well if you're going to shake it up how are you going to do it you know uh, how do you do it differently? Do, do you let the, the face, do you just flip it? Do you let the faces be in control most of the time? Or do you do like what you said, do the Japanese style or, or like ECW where it's just brawling or it's just chaotic yeah. brawling. I mean, like tornado type style. Matches. Yeah. It's tornado type style. So there's different things you can do, but yeah, I think that if you've got the right teams and they know what they're doing, I think that will always work and i guarantee you that that ftr versus rock and roll express ricky morton will be playing ricky morton oh yeah yeah there was uh i don't think there was much negotiation with uh high spots and whatnot there i think it was like okay guys this is what we do and that's it yeah <laughs> all right so that will mean our number one is drum roll leonard um yeah there we go <laughs> it would be the Midnight Express of Bobby Eaton and Stan Lane, mm -hmm. managed by Jim Cornette. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can't think of uh, other than maybe the one A that we just said. I can't think yeah. of another team that would go number one here. Um, you know, as I get older, you know, my respect for Bobby Eaton only increases. Uh, because a lot of his matches as a singles wrestler or when he was tagging with other people that like I just didn't see a lot of so even even the blue bloods thing <laughs> like yeah you know, like Squire Dave Taylor and Earl Robert of Eaton right like I mean he's just he was just great and uh, but this was obviously the peak of the Midnight Express these guys were so great together with Jim Cornette the matches that they had against the Rock and Roll Express are classics and there's so many of them <laughs> like uh, it's hard to really you know i don't know you can, we could one of these days maybe we'll rank them but uh there's so many great matches with between those guys and they had so many good feuds they are to me the consummate heel tag team um and but they also worked good as faces as we talked about with the uh midnight express feud uh, with Condry and rose so yeah i mean these guys you could put almost all the accolades that we said for the rock and roll express in the same column as these guys, you know, you name a title and they probably want it. Um, now their time in the WWF 
either team wasn't very long, but if if at all. But uh, but yeah, um, these guys. Th- this is a legendary tag team, and uh, they definitely earned the spot. Yeah. I, I, you know that would be a fun rank. Pick two um, like guys who had or a tag team has had a bunch of series of matches, and then rank the matches. Yeah, like Flair Steamboat, Flair Rhodes, anything like that would be fun. But anyway, this is my all-time favorite team. Even as a kid, I loved Eaton and Lane. And, of course, they did work face for some of that period when I was a kid. Uh, but they were always better heels. And, you know, we talked about how good the Rock and Roll Express were and that tag formula. And like you said, like, they had the – these guys were part of that. They were on the other side of the equation. That only works if they do their rules in the heel position against the R&R. They needed a good dance partner. And the Midnights were some of the best. And and you can extrapolate that. Look at some of the matches they had against the Fantastics and the Southern Boys slash Young Pistols. Very similar style matches. And especially something against the Young Pistols, you look at them and uh, they were okay. They were Steve Armstrong and Tracy Smothers against other teams. But they look like world beaters. They look like the next thing, big thing, against the Midnights, because that's how good they were. They were really good not only getting themselves over, but other people over as well. And as I said earlier, I think Lane is a better partner for Eaton over Condry because there was more of a contrast there. You know, he had a different physique, different look, more agile, did the martial arts stuff. Eaton and Condry were a little bit of the same kind of kind of style, but they meshed well. And Lane meshed well with them with Eaton too. Um, you know, Cornette's a great mouthpiece, did great promos for them. They could work with different opponents, different styles. And one of my favorite things about the Midnight Express is the feud with the dynamic dudes <laughs> of, of uh, Johnny Ace and Shane Douglas, where Cornette was in the middle and Cornette turns on the dudes. And you hear a tremendous face pop. If you have never seen that match where Cornette turns on the dudes, that is supposed to be a heel turn, but it gets a face pop and it's and it's beautiful and it's and it's brilliant. And um, you can't tell me you like the name Dynamic Dudes, though, right? Yes, I I, lo- I love the Dynamic Dudes, and they came out on skateboards and and they're you know wearing the 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 neon stuff. And oh, 80s. <laughs> very 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 late eighties. Very great. But that's one of those so bad it's good feuds to to me is 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 the feud with the dudes. Absolutely. Um, well, I'm sure that our list could be debated. <laughs> yes, and we debated it ourselves um, much during this time. If there is a express tag team that we failed to mention, um, like you know, if you think the Redneck Express deserve to be on here, I'll put them on here uh cooter and hoss which <laughs> it's just it's so great to me um but yeah let us know in the comments if you think our list needed to be restructured um and let us know if there's a team that we missed if on the 175 that we came across and uh yeah because uh, i have to admit i didn't i didn't click on every single tag name to see who was in the tag team no <laughs> so i might have missed that Oh, and one thing, can we talk about Rock and Roll Express? I forgot to mention, I saw Ricky Morton and Bobby Fulton wrestle together once here in Ohio at an indie show, and they used the name Fantastic Express. You can't, you can't get mad at that. Just mentioning, yeah. You know, like, stuff like that is a one-off. Yeah, like, it was fun. Yeah. You know, like, you know, back in the 80s, I'm sure there would have been an idea, oh, yeah, let's just combine the name. Yeah, let's just put the, put them together, and there you go. Um, but yeah, you know, did uh, yeah, other than the UX ex- US Express, did uh, the WWF have a lot of Express tag teams? Well, the Orient Express we talked about, US Express, yeah. and I don't think a lot of of others. I think the Express was more of the NWA WCW Southern Territory, the Southern how popular the Rock and Roll Express and Midnight Express were. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I like the Heart Foundation more than the Heart Express. <laughs> yeah, the Strike Express, <laughs> the Bulldog Express, the British Express. Yeah, no. you, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it all night. Yeah, we could. Well, uh, like I said, let us know what you think. And uh, for Leonard, my name is Chad. We will see you next week, and Alexa will see you out.